0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, a paramount podcast. I am Mike Saza here with the first Q&A Chris Anderson in a long long time, the first of the 2023 regular season. Chris Anderson, this is our first week of college football. Our team doesn't play until next weekend, but this weekend we have games. So I think we figured why even wait any longer. Let's get right into our regular routine. It's a mock game week for us, too, huh?
1: It sure is. we got to get used to this new Monday practice schedule or Monday media schedule, I suppose, Um, so – Got to amp up our game. We should get started this week just like everybody else. Can we spend a second
0: on that here? Um, yeah, go for it. The, what do you think of the Monday practices, whether by Brown's explanation or just an implementation and execution?
1: Um, I'm okay with it. I mean, I, it's obviously not as great for uh, – well, yeah, I was about to say not as great for us, but – more frustrating got to get used to the change because what i think as long as i've been doing this it's been tuesday is that right i mean i've been doing this for what 12 years and you've been doing it longer than
0: that is it well i mean i mean the morning i mean the morning practices though
1: yeah well i think that was like i like you you just mentioned he he said that that was his design coaches uh the coaches are okay with it but the players love it uh slants backs it up um not saying I disagree with that. I'm curious what what the science actually says about that kind of stuff. Uh, but if the players like it and the coaches can still get around it and still allows them to get ready, then I'm okay with it. My only concern is you are using this fall camp to prepare your body for the season, so you're going to practice at you know 9 a.m., 10 a.m., whatever. And your first three games are at 7 p.m. Yeah. Like, it's just, I'm just thinking about different things, getting your body ready. And you have to also get it ready for the schedule of the day, of the game day. And if you're practicing for a month straight at 9 and 10 a.m.,
0: and then your games are all at 7 p.m., oh, I don't know about that. That could be tricky. The, the science is that if they're done and off their feet earlier, then they have more rest time and recovery time for the next day. And if you do that for weeks and weeks and weeks in a row, that does add up a little bit. I'd also like to hear some of the science because they have talked a whole lot about having their their peaks and their primes so that they're running their fastest, lifting the most, having their best endurance by the time they hit Happy Valley. And I'm sure they've read up on that, but I've heard them talk more about that this year than ever before. And maybe that's the latest thing that they're trying to, the um, this angle they're trying to execute here and make it work. The practice thing, yeah, for, for your your reasons is, is interesting to me. I think it's logically it's better for students because we mentioned the rest time, but also like, man, they're there late at night sometimes after practice is watching film and then got to go home and do work. You can do all that in reverse now. Like you can do your schoolwork practice and then you have time. And even if you stay late, you're out earlier. I don't know that it's harder for coaches. It's just, It's just different. Like maybe the stuff that you would do before practice in the afternoon, you're actually doing at the end of your day for the next day. So you're just kind of rearranging things, but the twist we'll see and then the monday thing i won't interrupt you this time that's unusual too because saturday sunday you shake it off monday was always there like all right let's talk about this team coming up and then tuesday they introduced the team to the players and then they talk to the players they bring the players to talk to us that's going to be weird now because will we will we talk to players who have actually prepped for well probably penn state for sure but like for pit for Anybody in the Big 12, Or you think they'll be coming in blind and all the answers to the questions will be, don't know, haven't watched them on tape yet. Don't know.
1: Can't wait for that content.
0: The best. That's one change. So we're here with the Q&A mailbag on a Monday, which is standard for us during the regular season. I think we'll have some new stuff and different stuff and changes of our own this year. We can get into that as our regular season unfolds here too, but any quick thoughts on camp so far the scrimmage saturday or do you think an answer to that question will be part of answers to the questions you're about to ask
1: i think it's going to be part of the questions that the fans had because yeah there were there were a ton of them a lot of curiosities about what they've heard so far in camp and what they haven't heard and so yeah i think we got we got a lot to cover here with some questions so that hey the, the fans can get more of you and I talking about their questions instead of me
0: just writing about their questions later. Fair enough. So let's do this. If you're not familiar and there are many of you who are new to the VIP side, can't remember what it was. Something happened in June where we had a lot of people join the board and I can't remember what it was. I'm not even sure it had to do with football. I don't know. I blocked that part of my memory out. However, never had more people on the site than now. That includes the VIP side. If you are in it and you're not sure what we're doing, if you're not on that side of it and you're not sure what we're doing, every week you guys have questions, you ask them on the subscriber side for the VIP patrons, Chris and I answer, whatever ones we don't get to, Chris comes around and answers those in a written format. So a little bit of everything for everybody, people who like to listen, people who would rather read, we've got you covered there. We answer your questions and we begin right now. Chris, take it away.
1: Let's start it right off with a pretty straightforward one. It's the first one in the thread. And it's the first one we're going to talk about from WV Ball Fan. Whose stock rose and whose stock
0: fell the most during camp? Stock ball is really hard for me to answer just because I, I you don't get a lot of those evals. Like, hey, who stinks? And no one's asking the coach a question. Hey, who hasn't been good? So you really have to put your eyes on practices so like who's not stretching as well or who's dropping passes that one's a really hard one for me to answer um I would say this that I don't uh, my answer to this question is probably at large and maybe it's a cop out I don't think they have the answers of linebacker that they want yet so collectively did middle linebacker that's Mike and Will did that drop probably not because I think you can make an argument that maybe Trey Lathan is one of your bigger risers but do they have the depth? Do they have the answers that they want, or they want it after, after two-plus weeks of this? I would say no. I'm not sure that's a surprise either, but that would be a hard one for me to get down with right now. I just don't know where they're at with that is where they want to be. Um, a riser for me, I'll, I'll just stick on that side and even that vicinity. Just hear really good stuff about Mike Lockhart being in shape, being a second-season player who is probably a better player than he showed last year, but you remember he was in the transfer portal forever. Kind of got here in one of those last waves of arrivals, was out of shape, wasn't used to what they were doing. And and that nose position has always been a little bit fuzzy with what type of body they want, what type of play they want, you know, what's the frame, what's the skill set. That's just changed. And that's a matter of personnel sometimes, too. You can't ask key Mesidor to do what Dante Stills would do or what, excuse me, Darius Stills would do. And you can't ask Darius Stills to be the same as Jordan Jefferson. So, that's not really a, a Lockhart thing, but he's been here for over a year now. He's done the whole offseason cycle. That sounds like a guy who's really put himself in a position to help. Maybe above what expectations are for him. That's that's a tough answer for me on just the defensive side. But I'll let you talk a little bit here. What do you think?
1: First off, really like that pick. Uh, a little bit, I wouldn't say off the board. Um, there were a couple guys I had in mind. But Lockhart's a good one because you're right. They've they've been talking about him quite a bit and the differences he's he's made over the past year. Um, I'll stick with defense. And I'm going to go with an even newer guy than that. And it's somebody they've been talking up um, quite a bit. This falls into your who's been talked about, who's been asked about category, and that's Beanie Bishop, cornerback. Not just about his play, but about his attitude and how he's kind of an alpha in that room, how he's kind of taken over that room. And... Will he be listed as a starter in game one? Who knows? I'm sure they're going to put the oars everywhere and guys are going to split time and they're going to try to figure it out as the season goes along because I think they feel kind of comfortable. Maybe that's a strong word, but with four or five guys um, at that cornerback position. But he's been talked about as an alpha, a leader of that room. He's been talked about with special teams. Um, He's a guy that kind of came in here with several other defensive back transfers and i think if you had asked me to rank those safeties and those corners all those guys that came in by transfer i I, he certainly would not have been number one he probably would have been was it four of them five of them like he's fourth or fifth however many there were i think out of the guys i'm thinking of off the top of my head but here he is being talked about quite a bit during fall camp and potentially making a difference in both defense and special teams so he's a guy that i would say whose stock has risen
0: okay some some off the board ones for me on offense if that's all right because i don't think there's a ton of surprises or shocks on offense and even if you're going to go to like some of the players we'll talk about at skill positions maybe not surprises because they're pretty highly touted but if if nick malone is going to be like a swiss army knife on the offensive line that helps him out a bunch and that's a guy who just quietly has done his job as a walk on who's grown up in the program has a scholarship And behind him, it sounds like Bryce Biggs is going to follow the same path. So those are good things there for those two. But more importantly, man, I don't know if Nick Malone's a third tackle because Johnny Williams appears to be a guy, like right away. And they talk about him differently than they do the other people in his class or offensive linemen who came in. So if their offensive line is good with that top five or six, depending on who your right guard is, then you have seven, eight, nine. Now you got something there. Maybe not just for this year too, but for the future as well. And then kind of, again, off the board but important here, another position of strength that may actually be a little bit better than what you might expect is running back. Try and follow me here. Um, C.J. Donaldson back doing his thing. You can see him running over people in practice clips. That's good. Jalen Anderson's been really, really good from everything I've heard from people off to the side and from watching him in drills. You know he's been out a little bit lately. I actually don't think he scrimmaged on Saturday. But he'd been very good up to that point too and had kind of really given them ammunition to go to that two back set. And man, if you put him and Donaldson together in the same backfield and they're able to run out run around like receivers, but also thunder people, Chris, that's pretty interesting to me. That's not Jaheim White and Donaldson. That's not a small guy and a big guy. It's two pretty big guys that can move. But also Justin Johnson, coaches have authored, and he's been great. And he's been maybe the most consistent player in the backfield, and maybe one of the most consistent players on offense. And that's a guy who maybe gets lost a little bit because not only Donaldson and Anderson, but Jaheim White hasn't slowed down. Like, that guy had a ton of hype because of a play in the scrimmage, or excuse me, in the spring game, but then he kept doing it in the beginning of camp, and it hasn't slowed down, he's getting praise for things like what he's doing without the ball, which is not something you really think about with a running back who's exciting with the ball, but that means they're watching him at everything he does, and if he's a guy who is getting that type of attention, but also that type of, like, positive reinforcement. And I got four pretty good running backs there. And and again, I think we thought this was going to be a position of strength, but it hasn't gone sideways. It certainly hasn't gone backward. It's probably gone forward because each one of those individuals has their own contributions and has thus far received accolades for how they have performed and and prepared to perform so far this year. One guy who
1: maybe should have been part of this conversation. will lead off the next question here. Wide receiver. (laughs) Wide receiver, Traylon Ray. Um, from WV Blessed, he asked, Should we be concerned that Ray has been grabbing the headlines lately? Does that speak to the talent in the wide receiver room, or is this a legit stud who was
0: under recruited? They love this guy for a long time, right? Do you remember back when I had my recruiting card and I was at camps? I think oh, that yeah. I messaged you about him, like, Hey, 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 this guy from North Florida, Christian. Um, that was some time ago. So they've done their homework on him. They're familiar with him. Neil Brown knows his coach. So not a surprise to them. They're probably happy that he was under recruited, or maybe that he didn't have all of the blue chips on him. So, are you concerned that you got a guy that you liked who's really good? I hope not. That's part of the game, right? Everybody is infatuated with transfers, but your your grassroots stuff still has to be good. I don't want to take anything away from him. It sounds like, it looks like that he has really stepped it up and delivered at the end here. Touchdown in the sc- in the scrimmage Saturday. Some other big splash plays that they've actually even shared online. So it's not just us tipping our hand there, but he was the leading, uh, leading receiver in the scrimmage a week ago when they barely threw the ball, and then the scrimmage that they did throw the ball a lot, he was, again, very, very good. Those are all good signs. Uh, Devin Carter and E.J. Horton, to my understanding, did not scrimmage Saturday. So there's two guys who were out of the way. Um, those are outside receivers, so is Ray. Don't know what the deal is. We can ask and check on that when we talk to Brown today. But that's one reason he was maybe more featured and higher up the pecking order there. That's not a negative though, because he delivered, which is all that matters. I would be excited and not concerned. He's one of the six new receivers they brought in, like Gallagher was probably more the person where they said uh i don't I don't know if we need a ton of inside receiver help because Gallagher's coming. Ray was different. They went out and they got Horton. they went out and they got Carter. They needed an alpha outside X or Z receiver. They really like Cortez Bram. that hasn't stopped him from moving on, so I would be encouraged, but I would also wonder, like, okay, is this really going to be?" An eight, nine, ten deep platoon for one. And number two, I really wonder how he how he functions against the largest crowd to ever see a WBU game, which is going to be Beaver Stadium. And I wonder what happens when he doesn't know the cornerback and and the, the tells or the weaknesses from two plus weeks of practice. I wonder when he just can't get by on pure speed on someone like that or or strength or his size when he has to use technique because he's going against a veteran. But I also wonder how many times it's going to happen. That big crowd is going to be once. That first game is going to be once. Other teams aren't going to know him right away, and he's not going to be featured so much or the book will be out on him by week two. He's not going to get the other team's best cornerback. So there are advantages for him right now that you might think may go away when the lights are on. But I really wonder how legitimate those concerns are because, again, he's not going to draw the best corner. He's not going to have 100,000 every game. He's not going to have this. He's not going to have that. Any yeah, but you can have right now, You could also counter with another yeah, bub that makes it seem like it's not a bad deal right now for him.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today.
0: Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.
1: You covered the camp and what's coming up. Let me let me tell a quick story about Ray going back to his recruiting. Um, West Virginia offered him, it was right near the tail end of the dead period um, in the spring, like 2022, a um, year and a half ago. And I think it must have been like, the next day or within the 48 hours of them offering and Florida and Tennessee both hopped in with an offer right after. And I got a text from someone just cussing, cussing up a storm because they knew like they had found a guy who they thought was amazing And they thought they were getting him under the radar and it it was not under the radar anymore. And things were blowing up there. And then you had to get into June where one, he is an elite baseball player, which we can talk about again in a moment. So he was busy with a bunch of baseball stuff and wasn't taking official visits in June. And he was also kind of trying to sneak in a couple camp visits, uh, including one to Tennessee where that might have been one of those are you a take or are you not kind of camp visits, which is which is pretty standard. I mean, West Virginia does the same thing. Hey, we offered you, but you got to come to camp, and then we'll figure it out. And West Virginia was sweating out that entire month of June, just hoping, because he was the guy that was like, yeah, don't forget it. I know everybody's visiting June, but don't forget this guy. Don't forget this guy. And they were able to get him up in September, and then he committed a couple weeks later – this was more than that, it was a little little bit later, two months later. But he was a big-time player that they were thrilled to get on, and I know a lot of people were worried because he was not around, not part of the first wave, but again, that went back to his baseball thing. He's an elite, elite baseball player, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing somebody from the board. like He was the last player on campus, I believe, in this recruiting class. I believe he was the very last one to arrive, and he walked in, set his glove down, and his baseball bat and flipped off his baseball pants and all of a sudden became one of the best wide receivers in the room. And and I, I think that just speaks to what kind of talent he is. But as you noted, let's the, the temper expectations
0: a little bit, but good player that West Virginia has been on for a long time. And the connection, um, the coach was a pretty successful high school coach in Alabama at North Florida Christian. So Ray's coach is pretty successful in Alabama. Uh, Neil Brown spent, I think, eight years Recruiting in Alabama, different times at Troy, got to know that guy, realized the offense was pretty similar to what he likes to run, so when they found out Ray was at North Florida Christian, that the coach was the same, they said, wait a second, this guy's offense is still the same as like what we like to run, a lot of parallels, so while Ray is quote-unquote late, he he's doing elite baseball stuff, so competition reps are really big for Brown, if you've heard that before, it goes on and on about Gallagher for example but also Ray too he was in an all-star game at the end of June and he comes in and and kind of picks up where he left off a little bit granted some rust for sure but that may be that he wasn't a starter right away or like a top six guy right away just because he was a little bit behind but he's made up a ton of ground because he's pretty familiar with the offense based on the similarities um, with what existed in his high school offense that Brown has known for a while so they've been able to teach him up pretty quickly but also, there's this natural ability, natural gifts there too that are taken over for him, and that makes that makes running in a straight line and jumping really high, um, pretty potent when you can pick up the offense too. We're on to the next question from B more
1: for WVU. Um, every camp has a theme. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here and say uh, these are message board themes. I don't, I don't think these are official um, themes from the school. From 10% body fat to the Let's Ride with JT Daniels. So what is the theme of this year's camp?
0: Not going to be last, freshman takeover. What is it? <laughs> uh, not going to be last is going to be the one that sticks with me because that's funny. But also that was that was something that they said at the media days in Dallas. And I, I know that people are going to be down on that, but like they, they could have said, we're going to finish first, people would have laughed. And they're going to say, we're not going to finish last, and people are going to laugh. But, like, they just don't believe that the worst team in the Big 12. And, and since then, I think you'd have a hard time. Like, who's going to be playing for Iowa State, right? Um, and that was being whispered about then. I think that if you look at, like, returning talent and, and roster strengths and all that stuff, you look at the Big 12 in a roster like that, you'd have a hard time saying that West Virginia has the worst this or the worst that. And their schedule, we talked about, it, isn't too difficult. So I think they are perplexed by that. If I had to pick from that list, like, yeah, we won't be last. That's a pretty great answer because one, it's funny, but also it doesn't encapsulate what they're thinking. I don't think they think they're going to win the Big 12. I'm sure they think they would do, but realistically, is that going to happen? Come on. But that's not their goal. That's not their goal. Their goal is to just like one week at a time. And um, they're not the worst team is probably a good place to start from that. The one thing I come back to, and it kind of goes to that, is that they they kind of thumb their nose at predictions. And Brown takes great pleasure in saying that the media has gotten it wrong, which is true. By the way, you and I didn't vote in this poll, so he can't be mad at us about this. But the one little thing I get from him, from his assistants, and from players again and again and again, which means they talked about it over and over and over, is you prove them right or you prove them wrong. You prove them right that you are the worst team or you prove them wrong that you're not the worst team. You prove them right that you're going to be a three-touch on underdog at Penn State or you prove them wrong that you're better than that. You prove them wrong here, you prove them right there. Whatever like that. And That's a weird way of putting it, but that's pretty much what it comes down to. Either everybody's right about you or everybody's wrong about you, and it's up to you. You you can't control what people think and what the predictions say. That's not up to you, but you can control the accuracy of those expectations. So prove them right, prove them wrong. It's not as fun as we're not last. It's not as fun as let's ride. It's not as fun as 10% body fat or whatever the percentage was for Daigie, but um, that will be my thing right here. I, I've heard him say that. It sticks with me. It's not the first time I've heard Brown say that, but over and over from a whole bunch of different mouths this year, that's the one that gets to me.
1: Funny. I'm, I'm doing the countdown series every morning, posting things. And, and this most recent section of that, that countdown has included several quick team previews of opponents this year. And I like to do that. I don't know how much people read those um, during the countdown. I, my analytics tell me they enjoy the other stuff like this morning's havoc rate one more than those previews but i enjoy doing it partly because it also helps refamiliarize myself with the teams that they're about to play who's going to be on those teams who was there who's gone and it's been shocking to me as i'm going through this and i'm like all right here i am with with this team and from last year's squad, they already kind of sucked. And now they're without their starting quarterback, their top receiver, or their top running back, and their top four receivers. And they're five spots higher than West Virginia in the rankings. What? Oh, this team is without eight of their nine top tacklers. Oh, this team doesn't even have a guy with a PFF score above 70 returning on the entire roster. Like, I'm just going through, and there are a lot of flaws with a lot of teams in this league. And this is not, This is not some kind of revelation that we're having now. I mean, because you and I, the day that those preseason rankings came out, the day the preseason poll came out, you and I did an instant analysis, and both of us were like, what the – everyone agrees? like, Because it it was bad, like the the points-wise too. Like it was like dead last, not close, not tiered. West Virginia was dead last, and both you and I were like, hey, we're not picking West Virginia to finish like top six. But there's some bad, like, teams that might be really bad in this league. And there's four new teams that are going to have to go through a rough transition. Did everybody forget how rough that transition was? What is going on here? And so I, I'm with you on the not finished last night. I know I know, it's not the best motto in the world, but I don't think they're rallying around that. But it is something that has maybe motivated them um, getting voted to finish so far and dead last. And, and you see what some of these other teams actually are and what they're returning and not.
0: I think I have a fun one. 21 miles an hour. Have you caught the camp references?
1: Is this the this, this sports bra... GPS tracker thing?
0: Yeah, like they, they rattle up, oh, he hit 21. Oh, if a guy hits 21, we got to watch him the next day, this and that. And like they, they tell you some players have hit 21 miles an hour, and that's a proprietary thing where they don't really want you to tell sometimes that that this guy hit 21 or he can hit 21. I don't know what that matters in a game. I know uh, this guy's fast, but like at the same time, you'll get a, a coach out there saying it doesn't matter if he runs a 4-2, a 4-5, or a 4-8. If he does this technique, he'll get open. Um, our offensive linemen or defensive linemen running 21 miles an hour Maybe, but why in a game? Unless the defensive lineman is chasing somebody down or, or running with a football. I don't know. But like that's one thing I, I I've heard a couple of times to chuckle because it's a cool thing, you thump your chest about it. You pin a, a ribbon on your strength and conditioning staff. But in a game, what does that matter? We'll see. But it's a great thing to brag about too, because if you can get a guy to twenty one, you're doing something right. If you can get a guy who runs twenty one, you're doing something right. That's like a that's like a mythical number in college football strength programs so, um, it exists but like a certain class of player hits it an elite athlete hits that and um, is that body fat percentage is that you know some of the other things we talked about possibly we'll see but like I've, I've heard that a few times so what's the 21 mile, mile an hour club this year perhaps he so can keep attendance during the season it's funny
1: that that goes back to the Gordon Jackson one of the Jackson twins mm-hmm. uh, freshman last summer um, you know, for for some of the campers, guys, they're really keeping an eye on They They put those GPS trackers on him, and he ran there. They were obviously watching him very closely. He's a converted running back, and and they talked about this. Shadon Brown talked about this earlier this fall camp, about how they just wanted to see if he was fast, and they could make his hips work and figure everything else out from there. And he ran at the camp, and you could hear somebody call over the walkie-talkie um from whoever was back at the computer with the gps trackers and said you know i think it was like 20.8 it was like 20.8 miles per hour i'm standing there and i'm like i don't know what that means and that same person said if you hit 21 your your top elite speed got kind of in college and so yeah you're right that that's that's a number and if we want to put a mark there and figure out who's in the 21 club maybe we can ask around try to figure out a few names let's do it um all right, Mike, moving on to the next question. This one from Chestnuts. Let's say WVU only schedules a power five, a group of five in an FCS non-conference games. Who do you want as a power five, always pit or rotating through other traditional rivals? This is obviously stemming from Neil Brown's comments the other day of, um, you know, he wants, he's all in on the backyard brawl and kind of wants it every year, but he does not think they can continue the two power five in the non-conference Um scheduling as they're
0: doing this year mike your thoughts well they're not going to continue doing that they're going to go 111 p5 g5 fcs that's what they started doing and i'm pretty sure that they're going to continue doing that um respecting neil brown it's his schedule it's his program it's his wants and needs and all that i would not be pitching to my fans the same group of five every year um i know you're going to have some variation now in your the reason you can you're going to have some variation in your conference schedule because you're not going to have that round robin style so you're gonna have a different schedule every year and you're gonna have some teams pop up one year that you might not see for a couple of years so that's okay and maybe you can get away with that i just wouldn't do that unless you can guarantee it's going to be the first game um every year like i would make it special i would not have it being your second game or your third game or one that pops up in the middle of the schedule because you had to play you had to do something for tv to make sure you had all your conference schedules matched up so hey we got to play our opener against a conference team or our setting like, I, I wouldn't do that. I want to make sure it was special. Maybe if it's going to be a special thing that it gets a spot every year, make it special. And it's the first game I would do that. Uh, but I wouldn't do it. I, I, I would owe my fans more than that. I would try to get series against, you know, power five programs that will come here. I would probably lean against the neutral neutral site things and not do that unless it was a really cool one-off. I don't know, like you're talking like Alabama in Atlanta, something like that. Even though they have a home and home with Alabama, so again, you don't have to do that. So I would be varying it up. I'd be mixing that, but I'll I'll do another caveat here. If you're gonna do Pitt every year, be really exotic with that group of five. Like, don't just get some MAC team because it's close down the road. Like, mix it up, make it appealing. Fans know who Sunbelt teams are. Fans know who like UTSA is and there are things you can do and you're you're paying big money to get schools to come now anyways and if you're in a series every year at pit you're not paying a lot for teams to do that like it's it's a much more agreeable contract when you're doing home and homes so if you're going to do home and homes with a group of 5 which they're open to doing be exotic with it too so again cop out answer me but I would not do pit every year I wouldn't but if you're going to do pit every year make it special and be exotic, aggressive, different with that group of five game. You ready for the
1: right answer? And it's going to take some uh, wiggling with okay. the Big Twelve. You go to eight conference games. Now, now that there's no longer ten, and the true round robin is gone. What? Why are you still doing nine? The SEC doesn't do nine. Let the Big Twelve do eight. You play eight. You. You do two um, traditional traditional rivals, one home, one away, rotate those two around, Pitt and Penn State, one year, Penn, then you go Penn State, Virginia Tech, then Virginia Tech, Maryland, then Maryland, Pitt, and just kind of rotate between those four schools more or less and play two of them every year, one home, one away. With an eight-game conference schedule, you're going four home, four away. So now you're five and five. And then you schedule a group of five from FCS team. Your final two games, both of them at home. So now you're at seven home games every single year, um, and you're not overloading yourself because you're you're essentially replacing a Big Twelve game with another Power Five team. So you're 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 not overloading yourself. You're getting more traditional rivals in there, and you're still keeping a same you know a, a strong schedule. You haven't gone too weak. By adding too many, you know, lower teams, um any chance the Big Twelve might be open to eight game schedules?
0: I think if they do the goose and gander kind of thing, right? Everybody else is doing it, let's do it. But I think they want to have those TV windows and have as much inventory as they can for the TV contract. One, two, you're proposing cutting down to eight, but playing two power fives, correct? Now you're still playing ten power five games, which is what I think they want to get away from. Like they they can do it, but they want to keep doing that. I don't know. That's going to be They'll keep doing it. I understand that. But, like, would they really do that because of an extra spot in the non conference? Or would they duck a little bit and play two group of fives? I don't know. That'd be, a, that'd be a good question for a Rem Baker. But I get your point there. It's not a terrible idea. It's not the right answer, but it's a good one. All right. As uh,
1: might be the last one we have time for this week. And it's a big one. Timber Pimp asks In your opinion, why hasn't brown been successful here he checked all the boxes for what we all thought was a home run hire is it staffing choices philosophy inability to develop or recruit the qb position or just plain bad
0: breaks luck all right i'll be brief here since we have a couple minutes and i'm gonna give you a chance to answer but yeah quarterback bummer that's a hard one um can't get past that the one that I don't want to be apologetic about, but I think it matters and it kind of it goes into some things. But let me let me weave these all together. One hard job. It is. It's a hard job. West Virginia. He has not mastered the anchor of so of that he didn't master them because he and everybody else was dealt a setback when the COVID year happened. Um, it's really hard to develop your program by way of Zoom and at home workouts and strength and conditioning programs that you were sending people electronically. So off of campus, out of sight, out of mind, you can't keep that momentum going. So you regress a little bit. Players are home. They develop bad habits. They don't develop as much. They're around people who say, you should go somewhere else. You can be somewhere else. They have a roster. Um, what's the opposite of boom? Bust, I guess. A lot of players leave because they're not winning. It's not a fun place to be for various reasons. It could be staffing, could be quarterback, could be the backstep that we just talked about. It just took Brown a long time to get his plans in place. And meanwhile, NIL comes in, the portal becomes a hot thing. Um, He's changing offensive coordinators, who's calling plays, what the true identity of the offense is, and he can't get the parts right that he has to get right by way of the transfer portal, most especially quarterback. Uh, A long way of saying this job is hard. It's been harder because of just things that everybody had to deal with. It doesn't mean it didn't hurt him, but he hasn't been able to get right what he needed to get right for various reasons, but also because the guy who runs the offense, not just him, but also the quarterback position. And then having a cohesive roster that grows up together is really important. That has not happened because of football, but because this hasn't been a fun and successful program to be a part of. It's very easy to wander now. He hasn't had the tether to keep people to the program. Exciting offense, dominant defense, wins, whatever you want to call it. But it's been hard for him to keep the door closed and keep people from leaving. And it's been hard to get the right people to come in and then stay here.
1: Yep, I think it starts starts with the quarterback there. Um, when you don't have a, a, an elite quarterback, when you don't have a, at least a very, very good quarterback, you're already starting in a hole. And I think when you're starting in that hole, everything else has to go right, and and it hasn't been the case. It, it's been, one, like you mentioned, one setback after the other. And and with some of the other stuff, as far as building the roster or keeping it together, they seem to be one step behind. Um beginning with their approach to transfers. And, they, and they've admitted this, like this isn't something new. They've said it, their approach to transfers and how they recruit them, how they add them, how they keep them has changed over the last couple of years because they realized they were doing it wrong. And they've changed that and they feel more comfortable with how they are right now. We'll see if those results uh, follow these changes, but also keeping things together with the NIL that played out in public with the athletic director change and the very open uh, commentary that followed about how they approached NIL and working together with the collective and with the football team and going out and getting players and retaining players. Here's my thing. Has it really changed that much? Cause West Virginia still has one of the biggest losses to the transfer portal in the off season, even with some of these changes or were those changes too late to actually keep those guys around and will it help in the future? I don't know, but, A lot of things kind of going against him, but also some like his own doing, but the program's own doing
0: like around him, not necessarily just him in particular. Facts of life, you got to deal with him. He hasn't dealt with them perfectly. Again, he's not alone there, but those are all contributing factors. Um, Great question. Sufficient answer for the time we have. Certainly deserves more exploration. You can do that in the comments on the post. We'll wrap it up this time. Talk to you next time. Until then, I am Mike Casaza, And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.